Good morning, everyone. Joining us is Brian Holst, the Executive Director of the Juno Economic Development Council, and he's brought a guest. Brian, why don't you share who you brought with us today? Well, good morning. Uh, yes, we have a guest today. Uh, we have Martina Warden. She is our entrepreneurship lead, team lead at our at JDC. You know, JDC, there are, are several area ways that we divide um, our work, and one is entrepreneurship and small business development. And in that work, we have several tools that we, we, we employ. We have a revolving loan fund. We have a special loan fund for child care. We do an angel conference. We support junior achievement. We support a, an idea competition called the Arctic Innovation Competition, as well as a pitch contest annually. We do a week around global entrepreneurship events. Local Frequency is our small business uh, loyalty program. And Launchpad. Uh, which is a brand new initiative. So, yeah, Martina is the, is the lead here. Uh, depending on how much time we have, um, cover um, a few of those topics today. So, Martina, Launchpad, w- what is that? So, Launchpad is a 10 week course for entrepreneurs, and it's really for anyone, whether you're have a business concept or idea that you're wanting to explore, whether you recently launched a business or if you're an established business and you're looking to pivot or offer a new product or service, then this course has something for you. It will teach folks to find their target market, to learn how to set realistic financial goals for their business, discover their brand and marketing, identify sources of funding for their business. Um, Yeah, and it's a really exciting opportunity. It's completely free, and it will start up this fall on September 13th. What's a common barrier that you see for entrepreneurs, or would you say you see? Um, Specifically in Alaska and Juneau, I think a common barrier that I see is access to resources and accessibility to resources and educational materials. Like if someone wants to start a business, they probably don't know. There's not a 101 that you learn in school for how to start a business. And so I think that what makes this program really valuable is it really walks you through all the fundamentals that you need in order to be successful in launching a business. And we do this in, in partnership with the Kauffman Foundation, which I think I think Martina can, can talk about there. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say they're, I think, nationally, the leaders in our country that have really keyed in on an, an approach to teaching entrepreneurship and through a grant in partnership with the city of Juneau and then and the National League of Cities, we received a small grant, which allows us to make this completely free uh, to deliver this, this program. Mm, through the Kauffman Foundation. The Kauffman Foundation. So we have our staff, Martina, is, is, went through a training program earlier this year um, to learn about how to deliver this program. And so now she's a trained facilitator. And so she'll, she and some of her colleagues will be leading the program. So Martina, let's say I want to start a business. And the only thing I've done so far is say that I'd like to start a business. Can I still attend this program? Yeah, as long as you have a business concept or idea that you are committed to pursuing and you're committed to completing the course, then this is a great program for you. It will really help folks refine and flesh out their ideas and provide them with all the fundamentals they would need to start a business. So, But it's not just for aspiring entrepreneurs, huh? 
No, if you have a, you recently launched a business, almost every entrepreneur has at least one area where they're really fuzzy, whether it's finances or marketing. And so this will really help them strengthen all of those fundamentals. And we'll be bringing in local entrepreneurs and guest speakers every week um, to talk about their experiences, like subject matter matter experts on that week's topic that they'll be able to talk to, ask questions. The classes themselves are meant to be really engaging and a lot of open discussion, Q&As. Um, we'll be featuring food from different local businesses each week. So Each week. So this is multi, yeah. this is not yeah. just one event. No, it's over 10 weeks. It meets every Tuesday evening from 5 to 8 p.m. starting September 13th, and it will run through November 15th. And yeah, we're accepting applications right now. Our, the deadline to apply is August 22nd. So if you're interested, you can go to jdc.org backslash launchpad and learn more about the program and apply. What if you got a busy schedule and can't make it to a few of those classes? We still definitely encourage you to apply even if you can't make a class or two. And also we will have the option for folks to turn it, tune in virtually for to a class or two if they need to. But the course is designed to be in person here in Juneau. So each week there'll be a new lesson to learn about entrepreneurism. Yeah, we'll, we're going through a whole curriculum of topics from like marketing to finances. So each week will be different. What are you looking forward to the program? Um, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing about all the exciting ideas and projects in the works here in Juneau and getting to talk to local entrepreneurs. Ryan, is there anything you're looking forward to do this? Well, entrepreneurship is, we have a great history here in Juneau of uh, many successful entrepreneurs. Uh, and I think all of them would say, or most of them would say, they've really appreciated the help they got along the way. And so what this is, this is really an opportunity to um, just encourage the next generation of, of folks. And it doesn't mean, when I say next generation, it does. it is for new entrepreneurs. But as, as Martina pointed out, we, we do accept also current business owners that have a, want to pivot their business. They feel like, hey, I've been doing this thing. I have a new idea of a new direction that I want to go. Those also could fit into this program as well. And what resources are even out there? You mentioned in the beginning there are resources that JEDC provides, but could you give us a sense of how many resources there might be in Juneau? Well, well let me tell you about Revolving Loan Fund, and then, then I'll ask Martina talk about the Angel Conference, which is another another part of this. So we have loans for businesses, but a lot of entrepreneurs, a loan, though it sounds like a great idea, isn't really the best, uh, isn't really what they need. Because to have a loan, you need to have cash flow. And when you're starting a business, uh, it, it usually takes a while before you actually generate um, cash. And so a loan is often uh, not what an entrepreneur needs uh, because they're not in ability to immediately make payments on that loan. or And they also, they don't have any way of collateralizing that loan. And so it's hard to get a loan for a startup. So the another service that we provide is angel investing. And Martina is going to lead our the angel conference this year. So Martina, can you talk about the Angel Conference? <laughs> I can. Um, starting this coming year, we will be hosting the Angel Conference. And how it works is a group of entrepreneurs 
will go throughout the program and it's really an educational experience for both sides, for investors and entrepreneurs. It's designed to teach new investors how to become angel investors and how to invest in startups and really just make investing in Alaskan companies a lot more accessible. Um, Most people, when they think about investing in a startup, they think of these million dollar investments in big tech companies, but- Or they think of Shark Tank. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But what's really cool about the Angel Conference is all of these angel investors pool their money together to make one investment in a company. And so it's really a way to learn how to invest, learn about the world of investing, and you kind of get your hand held through it if you're a new investor. You learn about what due diligence is like and how to evaluate a company. Um, And yeah, it's a really exciting opportunity for new investors to learn about investing and also for entrepreneurs to, they get this one-on-one mentorship, they get to go through the process as well, and one of them eventually walks away with a $100,000 or more investment in their company, which can't complain about. In, in angel investing, maybe not everyone knows what, what, what that is. Typically, you need to be an accredited investor uh, by federal rules, meaning you have to have um, a lot of wealth so that if you lose your investment, you're, you're okay. Mm-hmm. But that really limits who can invest to wealthy people. So the state of Alaska a few years ago created a, a crowdfunding act, it's called. So in Alaska, Alaskans, non-accredited, just regular folks can make investments of up to $10,000 um, into an Alaskan business. And that's what this program is really designed around is to bring regular folks, you and I together. We typically um, have the minimum investment of $5,000, which is, again, it's not, it's not a, a small amount of money, but it is it is accessible. Many people have much more than that, of course, in their own investments. But in we're not we're not at the hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. It's just nope, a little five, smaller. Five thousand dollar investment, and then you pull them together, and as a group, you assess, you learn about um, investing in businesses, and then you decide as a group to invest in a, an Alaskan business. So it's only for Alaskan businesses and Alaskan startups. And that, that would be more beneficial, as you were saying, as opposed to receiving a loan then, since well, you'd need capital right. to receive that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. Many, many times a an uh, angel investing, there's a lot of risk involved in angel investing. You don't know if the business is going to do well, and but the return, if it does do well, goes higher because as an angel investor, you take an ownership stake along with the entrepreneur. So you're betting on that entrepreneur and you only get your money back if the business is successful. And if the business is not successful, you lose your money. But the good thing for the entrepreneur is that that entrepreneur, it, when you lend money to an entrepreneur and they lose their business, they lose their house, they're wrecked. And that isn't how a capitalist society needs to treat entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs create jobs and create opportunities, create um, businesses. So we need a way for them to uh, be able to, that didn't work, and uh, in a reasonable period of time, start a new business again themselves, but not be destroyed financially if your business is a failure. So that's part of what angel investing allows. The flip side though, is that if they're wildly successful or successful at all, they need to share part of that with these other investors that have taken the financial risk with them. Mm. Now, what about our youth entrepreneurs? What resources could there be to get them thinking about this earlier? We have a program 
called Junior Achievement, and Junior Achievement is a nonprofit, and they work on educating students about entrepreneurship, about work readiness, financial literacy, and what's cool about their programs is they're very interactive and hands-on. One of the programs that we're working on specifically is called Company Pop-Up, and so it's for middle and high schoolers and how it works is they start their own pop-up company, they run the business, and at the end of the curriculum, they close out the business. And so they really get this hands-on experience of learning what it's like to run a business, go through its entire life cycle, and it teaches them a lot of really valuable life skills that they can use outside of the classroom on managing and growing wealth, creating businesses, all of- Being a CEO. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, and so we're looking for teachers that are interested in having this program in their classrooms, volunteers who will teach the curriculum because how it works is a volunteer will come into the classroom and teach the curriculum to the students. And yeah, if you're a student and you are interested in doing this, this sounds exciting to you, then definitely let your teachers know. What would you consider the coolest idea you've heard of in that program? The coolest idea? idea like this is this is one to take to kevin o'leary or something (laughs) like that brian have you heard any mind-blowing ideas no no and juno we've done uh, (laughs) they've been uh like i remember thunder mountain i think you were a graduate of thunder mountain Mm. Uh, i remember that program i don't want to say it wasn't a cool idea it was great they were (laughs) early in their years and they what they developed was was quite a bit of um thunder mountain marketing material they they built um license plate frames for Thunder Mountain oh. kind of before before it was super easy to get all of those those sorts of items uh, that's the kind of the, the recent example I thought that was really really timely it is up to uh, it's up to the students creativity to come up with whatever idea you know some have been sort of food products uh, some manufacturing element is encouraged but it doesn't have to be uh, part of the mix mm-hmm. Well, speaking of students, I've, you've got some student programs that you've closed out here. But before we get into that, let's close out this first part and get to the next part. We'll be back. We're back with the Juno Economic Development Council. And no news to anyone, but summer's pretty much over. And I recall you had camps for kids. How did it go? We had a great summer. We have science, technology, engineering, and math camps is what JDC does to build those STEM skills because those are those are the skills that problem-solving skills that everyone needs to do better in whatever career they pursue. Great summer. 180 kids participated. Uh, a shout-out to the Gagin Foundation who provided us some support. We ended the summer um, with a... A free summer camp uh, for for students for low income students to participate in, which was also uh, a great a great success. Uh, so yeah, Benito Gagin Foundation, Sea Alaska, Core, Wasman Associates, and Juno Juno's Imagination Station helped make these camps super accessible to um, students throughout our community. And looking past summer now. 
I know you all are involved in robotics. Is there an update there? We are, and uh, next month we're going to go into great details. But the robotics program starts school year starts next year next week, as <laughs> as, as you know, next year, <laughs> every year, hopefully, <laughs> but next week on Tuesday. And the first robotics is a program K through twelve that allows kids to um, learn science and technology, but also apply that through some fun, engaging competitions. Um, involving robots as well. And so the season this year is is a, uh, first Energize with a focus on energy. So I guess what we're, all I really want to uh, share today is that as your kids start the school year, uh, talk to them about um, robotics because the, there is a program in every one of our schools in the Juno School District, fortunately, and but typically just one program. So you'll, you'll have to have them ask their teachers to find out uh, how your kids could be involved in those robotics program at your elementary, middle, or high school. Mm. Very good. And I, I, I remember last year we talked about when you had launched another program, and that was local frequency. Is there anything new there? It continues to uh, – local frequency is our loyalty program for small businesses. It, it's, it's going great. We have 1,600 or so uh, folks in Juno that have downloaded the app, and we continue to um, look for businesses that are a good fit that that want to reward locals for shopping local. Wow, sixteen hundred. Yeah, it's it's uh, every it, it's slowly growing, organically growing. It, it's it's nice. We see that the community really supports this concept of of shopping local. Very good. In a previous program, we had spoke about short term rentals and. After stewing on it a bit, I think the question right now is, what is our housing stock? Is there any research you have to share? We continue to work on this issue. So we, we have a, it's harder to figure out than we thought that the assembly just hires, is hiring a, an outside firm to help them to uh, have a firm number of how many short-term rentals there are. So right now, our estimate is between 300 and 600. Uh, we know that... Um, Short-term rentals, Short -term 300 rentals. to 600. Okay. 300 to 600. And we know it's somewhere in between, but the frequency, if somebody's rented just one night, do they really belong in that category? Uh, we're trying to figure out that dimension. But what we, what we do know is that many um, units uh, that were available for regular folks to rent now are not available. Uh, but what we also, when we, because we're really trying to figure this out, because we continue to have a crisis here in Juneau of housing, you know, we've built 1,400 plus units in the last 10 years, and our population hasn't really changed. Where have all those units gone? One one thing that we need to remember is that our our adult population in that same time has grown a lot. So while the population has stayed the same. Uh, our elder population has grown, and our and our population over 25 has grown by about 1,500. So we need to more than it was 10 years ago. So part of our challenge is that we just have more households, more adults in Juneau that need housing. So as we build housing, it isn't just the short-term rentals that are putting pressure on our housing stock, but it's also just the number of, of folks that um, need a home. And our elders are staying in Juneau at, at really high rates, they also tend to stay in their home. And that's a home that, uh, like in my, my family situation, in my family, my my mom stays is in her home still, and that home used to ha hold six of us. 
and now she's in it by um, by herself. And so that makes it, that's great for her, but that also means that the rest of our family has, has now has houses in Juneau. And so we just need, we just haven't been able to keep up with the um, construction of housing. And, and so the, the, the point there is, is that 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 house is no longer on the market. It, it's no longer available since it's being used. Yeah, the short the short term rental piece that's the challenge. Is that mm-hmm. when when people rent them for more than a week or two, it, it becomes it, it be, it's taken off the market so that you or I can't turn around and rent it year round. Uh, that's part of the challenge. But I think what we're finding is that it's a smaller part of the problem. The largest part of our challenge is that we'd have this large adult population that continues to grow, just the demographics. We have fewer really young people, fewer children in Juneau. That's a national phenomena, just kind of the demographics of, of America. Uh, it's a statewide phenomena as well, but it, but it, Juneau's not immune to that. That's part of the challenge of housing. While we wrap up here for just a brief moment, to let folks know what's the what's the status on on masking in schools. What's that going sure, to be with, coming yeah, with my school board hat on? So, uh, no change in the overall policy. So, so basically, masking is is allowed in our schools, and we uh, the the school board didn't change that from last year. Meaning, the uh, the superintendent has the ability for. A, a person that is high risk, some health concern, there is there it allows um, her to require masks around that person. So a mentally fragile person in a classroom, we would expect that others respect that medical um, concern. The other piece is that um, the kindergartners are no longer going to be required to wear masks because vaccinations are available now for um, for that age group as well. So, so, so masks are optional in our schools. If someone wants to use them, they can, but nobody is going to be required to use them except for extreme medical, um, scenarios. We also eliminated the requirement for testing of our teachers. We used to have a a testing requirement in part because the vaccines weren't available for everyone. And we wanted to make sure that if you sent your kid to school, your teacher was in, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't, didn't have COVID. Uh, And we have a super high rate of vaccination amongst our, our teaching and staff. And now vaccinations are available for everyone. So we're no longer making that a requirement either. All right. Very good. That's Brian Holmes, the Juno Economic Development Council, and also Martina Warden, who joined us today. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, Kevin. And that's the program. Thank you for tuning in this August 11th. We've got Salmon Derby tomorrow, so be sure to tune in. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off.